from Boss Track, It's Her Hype Squad, a show about amazing women who've made incredible strides as leaders in their industry. They're here to support you and your leadership growth, to encourage you and hype you up as part of your Hype Squad. Hello, and welcome back to a new episode of Her Hype Squad with Boss Track. I'm your host, Michelle Harris. This week, I talk with Liz Hetler about leading with heart, recognizing your value, women uplifting women, and finding calm in cycling. Liz has so much great advice to share from her leadership and life experiences. But before we get into our conversation, I want to tell you a little bit about Liz. Liz Hetler is the Director of Experience at Vesta Home. She is obsessed with human experiences, both externally and internally. She's a people-first leader and is passionate about women supporting women. Liz has led teams in both corporate and retail environments, consistently placing priority on improving the customer experience. As she puts it, she likes to add a little flair to every interaction. She completed her MBA with distinction at DePaul University. Liz is originally from Chicago, but currently resides in LA and enjoys cycling and spending time with her adorably cute rescue dog. If you enjoyed my conversation with Liz, be sure to subscribe to our channel and help more people find us by sharing this episode with others or by leaving a review. Or subscribe to our weekly newsletter filled with things we found that we're excited about and were inspired by, along with valuable leadership advice to watch, listen to, or read. It's a little bit of joy for your inbox each Monday. You can subscribe at www.thebosstrack.com forward slash weekly joy. Now, without further delay, let's get into my conversation with Liz Hetler. Hi, Liz. Welcome to Her Hype Squad with Boss Track. We're so, um, I'm so looking forward to our conversation today. So I really appreciate you joining us. I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself. Just say hello to the audience and uh, we can get started. Yeah. Hi. I'm also excited. Um, my name is Liz. I am the director of experience at Vesta Home, uh, which does luxury design and interior design and you name it with furniture, we do it. I am originally from Chicago, but I'm now based in Los Angeles. So I am what I call a cold weather survivor, uh, very important to me. And I have a dog that means literally everything to me. So that is what I am in a nutshell. <laughs> Oh, what, what kind of dog do you have? So she's a rescue. Um, so I, I don't know, but my fiance did extensive research after someone said, I think she's a Lhasa Apso, which is a breed I've never heard of. Uh, um, so if you look at her paperwork, she's a terrier mix. If you ask anyone in this household, she's a Lhasa Apso. And we sound very confident about it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, uh, that's important. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you don't want her questioning her identity. Oh. I am also a cold weather survivor. I suppose we, we were in DC before we moved down here to Miami beach, uh, three years ago. So similar situation. Yeah. It's, it's an important survival tactic in my personal opinion. <laughs> Totally agree. Totally agree. I am. I don't miss those uh, cold, cold winds coming off of the Potomac, and I'm sure you have the same in Chicago with the lakes. Yes, we sure do. The wind tunnels are an experience I don't recommend, uh, but it toughened me up. You know. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation because I know we're going to get into like how to 
move through an environment when it's more male dominated. And that's something that's on everybody's mind, every, every woman's mind, because uh, while we are making some small progress in some industries and some positions, like there's still a long way to go. And a lot of us are in, still in those situations where we are having Sometimes we're the only woman in the room or we're the only female leader sitting in meetings. And we all know what that looks like. And we all have different ways we figured out to, how to navigate through those. So I'd love to just dig right in if, if you're okay with that. Sure, let's go. Perfect. Great. Well, I'd love for you to share some. So you've been in, in leadership roles for quite a number of years. I'd love for you to share some of the challenge you've faced as a woman in your male-dominated business over environment and um, how you've overcome them personally. Yeah, I think um, my biggest challenge has always been equality, like in a nutshell, right? So I work in customer experience, which tends to fall under an operational role. So I usually report up to like a VP of operations or director of operations when I was in a manager role. And it, it appeared to me very quickly that that is a very male dominated industry. Now I was lucky enough at my last company where I was actually hired by a woman and then our COO is a woman. And so that was nice for me, but it's, it's not something that's very common, right? So especially in the startup community, which is where I, my bread and butter is tends to be a male dominated industry. And it can be challenging as a woman, especially when you're younger to come in and not feel that imposter syndrome, right? So my biggest problem was I would walk into a room um, pre-pandemic and you know whatnot, where I was one of two women <laughs> in the room and I was also younger. So I just felt this horrible imposter syndrome and people would be throwing out buzzwords and like business slang and I would have no idea what they were talking about, right? And I just felt super self-conscious about that. So I think what I learned in that was to really work on not being self-conscious on that, which is so much easier said than done, but just understanding that not knowing everything that happens in a room is actually a really powerful thing because it gives you the opportunity to grow and learn and understand new things. And I always say that that particular experience of me being not the smartest person in the room is like just the best feeling for me now, right? It took me a long time to get there, obviously, but being able to be transparent now and say, I don't know what you're talking about, or just like asking clarifying questions also gives me, tends to give me more context where I can actually sit down and fully understand what this person is saying to me and be able to give them what my expertise on the answer is, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So in, in that situation, say going into a meeting where you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily following what's going on, but obviously you are a contributor to that meeting for a reason and you need to understand what's going on. Like how, what was your approach? Did you just interrupt and ask the question then and there? Like, can I understand what you're talking about? How did you navigate that? Yeah. So my first, my first time that I got out of my nutshell was actually my previously mentioned woman boss who hired me. 
literally pointed me out and said, what do you think? <laughs> and I just like froze. I was like, I don't know what I think, but I felt comfortable enough in that moment to give a very brief kind of shy edge in. Um, and that really just opened the door for me where it's like, oh, my voice is heard and powerful. And I do know what I'm talking about. I've been doing customer experience for years, <laughs> many years, it feels like. And so she gave me that opportunity, right? Today, you know, I I just ask. It's it's so strange. Like, I don't know what happened to me. I got possessed, I guess. But I tend to ask, how do you mean? Like, what do you mean by that? And for me, that makes me feel comfortable because it's not like, I don't know what you're saying to me. It's more, I can make an assumption about what I think you're saying, but you tell me what you're saying because I could be wrong. Yeah, I love that because there are, are so many situations where we just assume we understand what's happening, even though we might have understood only part of it. And really that leads to miscommunication and kind of hard hard feelings, disagreements for no reason, because there was just a simple misunderstanding. So I, I do, it's, it's, it's such a critical skill to know when to ask that question, like to, and, and for, for newer leaders and younger leaders, for sure, there are going to be way more situations where you feel like, I think I need more information and that confidence to speak up is, is so important. Yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that you also mentioned about your, your former boss who called you out because I mean, we say call you out, but <laughs> there, <laughs> but this has come up in the past in terms of like communication and confidence and imposter syndrome, where that has been the recommendation to leaders. Like it's, it's really your responsibility when you have people working for you to make sure that the voices are amplified in the room. And that if you know, somebody is struggling with that to make sure you're calling them, you know, in a, in a comfortable way to ask for their voice. Yeah. And I think that really starts in like your one-on-ones with your direct reports. And when they ask you a question, my favorite thing to do, which I don't know, is their favorite thing that I do, but is to just turn it around and say, well, what do you think? Like, how would you approach this? And I got to tell you nine times out of 10, it's something I would have never thought of. And I'm like, that's actually way better than something I would have thought of. So props to you. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so true. I mean, you hire, you have a team for a reason, but you, you don't have to know everything. You have a team that knows different aspects. So to excel, you have to really listen to all those voices. So you can, t- can you tell me about a time when your gender affected your opportunities or interactions? Yeah, I think you know, the working environment is making progress in this for sure, which is great. Um, But I feel like females still often get accused of being too emotionally charged. And that confuses me personally. So I, I am admittedly a very emotionally charged person. And I've done a lot of work to kind of rein that in, in the professional world and make sure that I'm like, coming from a balanced place of emotion, but also like, I'm just right. right. Um, I'm just saying things that are 
in my heart correct, right? It doesn't, it's not a hundred percent correct. And that's why we have a team of leadership um, to come from different perspectives. But I feel like it's human nature to become emotionally attached to something that you spend 40 plus hours doing a week for, I don't know, 60 years, right? Like I'm going to become attached to my role. I am, I am attached to the customer journey, the customer experience, what people are calling into my team and being upset about and what people are loving about the brand. But there's, there's again, plenty of times where I've had to stop and pause and step away from a situation. Thank God for remote working in Slack where I can really think about, okay, yeah, I'm having an emotional reaction to this, but what does that mean? Right? Like, where's the core? Why am I feeling so impacted by the situation that's happening? And I found that in bringing back impactful measurements is important to that because I find that a lot of leaders in general, and for some reason, especially males, they don't care about the anecdotal part of it. We care more about like, what are the numbers saying? What's the data, which is such a trend these days. So it's helpful to come with that as well. And just like bring an anecdote with it, right? Like Susie is one of, you know, 60% of customers who hate that their package arrives damaged or something. I just pulled that out of my bum, but <laughs> let's just say that, right? And if you have a measurement that has a huge spike and it's supposed to be low, why is that impactful to the bottom line, right? So it's just thinking about things from both an anecdotal part, but also like, how is this being measured for the overall brand success? Mm hmm do you mind sharing, like when you say emotionally charged, like what did that look for you? Like how did, how do you, how did you feel and how did that come yeah. across to other people? Yeah, I think so. Slack was a very difficult transition for me because I'm the, I'm the kind of person who has to like talk through my thoughts, hmm. um, which was great in office, right? I was able to like sit down with my engineering team and go, okay, here's the problem and here's what's going on and just almost ramble to them and bless their hearts. They like stayed with me and kept it up and loved them dearly. But when we moved to a more remote world that translated in text can be really difficult. So you know, I'm feeling passionate. I'm feeling maybe a customer has just screamed at me. I'm feeling angry that something happened in, you know, an operational mistake or human error that tends to keep happening. I'm like, why am I getting yelled at for this? Um, so depending on the situation, it could be anywhere from just like passionate to anger to excitement even. And that I'm, I'm also one of those texters that's like one sentence said, one sentence, one sentence yeah. said. Um, and that drives people insane because Slack has that like alert noise um, mm. that I have turned off. So just saying there's a solution there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that tends to drive people nuts. And then that could trigger some emotion that they have. And so, yeah, now I've had to pull it back and think about what I'm saying in few sentences that comes in one message. And sometimes I don't do that still, but that's okay. Yeah. Is there something in particular that you do to get yourself back to a steady emotion when you're feeling that way? Sometimes I just leave it sitting. Like if somebody is, if something has just happened to me and I can feel that almost like blood boiling and it happens on every emotion, right? If I'm really excited, my blood boils and like a 
a good way, like I'm about to make a cup of tea. Um, or if I'm really upset about something, obviously blood boil in the more traditional sense. So I, I just stepping away and doing something that's either a low lift task where I feel accomplished and doing this little thing, or if it's pretty intense and I can't pop out of it, I will watch an episode of like new girl or something to cheer me up. Got it. That's perfect. Yeah. There's probably so many different ways that people can kind of approach that from like breathing exercises to like even maybe going for a short walk. So I I like your idea of (laughs) finding your your show that you're just going to throw on and, and, and enjoy for a few minutes. So we talked a little bit about meetings before. And once you kind of got comfortable and found your voice, or even before you're, you were in the position you are, are now, like, is there a time you can remember where you were, you were trying to explain something or you knew something was right, but your voice just wasn't being heard, you weren't being listened to? And could you tell us how you navigated that? Yeah. So unfortunately, this has happened many, many times. I find that being a decision maker or a stakeholder is it can be difficult to get your voice heard, especially if you're not feeling confident or you haven't found your voice yet. And that, that's a tough feeling to feel for sure. I found success in, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but I found success in almost camouflaging and just meeting their tone, right? I have that skill set being in customer experience where my job is literally to train people to match a brand's tone. So that's something that comes easy to me, but I realize it's not everyone's cup of tea. So I think it's important when you, if you do do that to remember not to lose yourself, right? So I can talk to someone who is, you know, very numbers based or very financial based, which is not me, by the by, I'm terrible with finance. I couldn't tell you what annuity is to save my life. Um, But that person tends to be more, you know, serious, more like not as bubbly, not as goofy as I tend to be. So I tend to approach it where I break the ice, break the tension that I feel by just starting off with like, how's your day and humanizing them in my mind so that I feel more comfortable to talk to them about what I have to say, but I don't lose myself in it, right? Like I'm still, you know, cracking a joke here and there in between everything and smiling literally all the time. Um, I don't know how I do that. So please don't ask. It's just a natural born skill. Um, But yeah, so I just think it's really important to not lose yourself, but to kind of camouflage yourself into that situation. Like what is the vibe of this person, if you will? How do they communicate best? And how can I kind of mirror that so that they can hear me best? Yeah, that is, that's a great communication technique, a great skill to have and to perfect. It's so interesting to think about that when we always talk about how people should really be their authentic selves at work and in business. And yet we say that, but there are always these exceptions because of course you want to be your authentic self, but you're also working with other people. So there are rules to just basic communication rules where how do you interact with someone in the best way? And I like what you said about, you know, it's not that you changed 
your whole approach to be that like stodgy, like numbers person to be able to sound like I am, I'm the same as you, but you knew, you knew kind of how they were. So you just changed your approach slightly to be able to communicate with them effectively. I think that's, that's so important. Yeah. And it goes back to asking those questions, right? Like I don't know what his end goal is as an example. So if he's asking me a question, I don't know why I'm gender gendering a person that I made up, but if they're asking a question and I don't really understand what that, like, what's the result you're looking for? Asking those clarifying questions not only helps with that mirroring, but also helps get you to the point and it helps your confidence too. It helps get you to the end point. It helps your confidence because you're able to speak to what this person is thinking about as like a goal or metric or whatever they're trying to do. Yeah. Is there like a specific time when you started out in your career as a leader where you, there was somebody that was just like not hearing you or just looking at you as a woman and not listening to what you were saying? Yes, there was. Um, there's There's been a few. My first time as a leader was actually in retail and I was super young. I think I was like in my late teens, early twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was super excited. I was like, I'm a boss now. But everyone that I was managing was actually quite a bit older than me. And so that was a little bit tricky to navigate because I had to kind of prove that I was worth it essentially, right? Like that my manager or our manager took this leap of faith on this, you know, little teenager who (laughs) dropped out of college temporarily and was very lost. Right. But I'm really good at retail. I can sell furniture left, right, and center because boy, do I love it. That was, that was difficult. And there was part of me that wondered, especially because a lot of the team was male. There was part of me that wondered like, if I was a teenage boy, would this go better? And I think that it would have, right? Like, I think that if I had that male dominating essence to me and not this like shy teenager, who's like very aware that everyone is at least double my age, that it would have been a little bit easier for me to adjust to. But I mean, it it happened a few times through, throughout my career. Right. And it always makes me question myself. And that's, that's not a good feeling. And I don't know how really that I came through that. I think that the more that I questioned myself and found that, no, I was correct. Like what I'm saying was correct. And the the information that I'm looking at was correct. And so the thing that I said was correct, just helped me notice that sometimes people don't know everything. I sure don't know everything, but you know what you know. And when you're asked what you know, you know it, you know? Mm-hmm. I know. (laughs) Can you think of what you did? Like, how did you win over their trust and win over the team? It just took time or did you do anything particular? It did take time. Um, I think I had, I definitely had to sit down with at least one person and just figure out what, what, what's wrong, what's happening here. And that was super uncomfortable for me because I hated confrontation at the time. I still kind of do, but I get through it. Yeah. But to, to have to sit down with someone who is your direct report, right. And they're twice your age and they're a male and they're a little scary. 
um, to sit scary in like the sense of like almost a bully. So to sit down with them and be like, what's your problem basically and not so many words can be really intimidating, especially if you're already intimidated by them. But it was super impactful. It, it you know, turned out that that was just who he was. He wasn't trying to be mean. And he was actually really excited that I became a supervisor because he loved working with me. I was like, I have no idea that that was the case. I thought you hated me. Thanks for telling me otherwise. But yeah, it's just his personality. And that really helped both of us adjust our personality a little bit where I realized, okay, he's not the kind of person that I can like joke around with and be silly with. He just needs direction, right? Like go do this, go do that. Very task oriented. And it loosened him up a little bit to kind of adjust to not being so punchy with his words is the word that I can think of and just bring it back a little bit, fluff it up a little bit, if you will. um, And just be cool. (laughs) Nice. So I I know this is not, this is a little off topic, but with being in retail, like a leader in retail versus being a leader in a more corporate customer experience role, is there a difference that you would, are there any differences you would outline to people listening? Yeah, retail. I mean, I was, I was young in retail. So retail is really where I kicked it off. I remember very specifically asking our district manager who was visiting a store one day, what a KPI was, right? She was like, look at these KPIs. And I was like, great, what does that mean? And now, you know, that's all I ever talk about are KPIs. But I think it's just, it's very different because in a retail store, you're so micro-focused on how your store is performing, how your team is performing, what your store looks like, um, how it's functioning, how it's running. And running a business is so macro in that, right? Like I'm thinking about all of these other departments. I'm thinking about, you know, corporate CX, which is now me. And when customers at a retail location back in my e-com days were like, I'm going to call corporate CX. I was like, um, that's me now. (laughs) That's not good. And so my goal there was just to bridge the gap between like the retail CX and the um, corporate CX. So we didn't have that anymore. But as you step into the corporate world, I mean, you're thinking about operations, you're thinking about finance, you're thinking about UX design. I think about so much. <laughs> Where the, Was there a difference in the way you led your team? Did you approach your team differently in retail versus being in corporate or was that pretty similar? It was, I mean, it's improved, I would say over the years, but it was pretty similar in the sense of, you know, these are just humans trying to get through life just like me. And so approaching them from that human way, if you will, is really important to me because that's how I like to be led. I don't like to be treated like a gear um, or a machine because I am simply not. And so I find it important to humanize everyone you work with, but especially your team and understand, you know, if they're willing to share what they're going through personally, you can help adjust their workflow, right? Like maybe they're going through something insane in their home life. And so you want to do what you can to make their work life still feel successful and still be able to set them up for that success, despite them going home and having some sort of turbulence in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that's super important. It's a great culture boost. It's a great morale boost, but it's also 
makes it so much easier for your team to perform at the level that you need or want them to perform at and succeed in their role. Yeah, completely agree. I completely agree with that. What would you recommend to new leaders coming into their role, like regarding gender equality or gender equity at work? Are there any, based on your experiences, like things that they should be considering, thinking about, paying attention to, or or even demanding as they start? Yeah, I think there's a few different approaches to it. If you find that you see a very clear issue with a particular person, be as transparent as possible, right? You can try to mitigate it and use this like camouflaging tactics, but if that doesn't work, go to your supervisor, just let them know. Don't be shy about it. If you're having trouble with someone, it is your coach's job to coach you through that, right? Um, And if that doesn't work, that's what HR is there for, unfortunately and fortunately. And just be aware that it happens, right? Like just coming in with that awareness so that you're not blindsided is so helpful because if it does happen to you and you are blindsided, it it makes you freeze. It makes anyone freeze because it's so unexpected. But if you are prepared and you have, you come in knowing that you know what you know, and you are the subject matter expert, and that is why people are coming to you for this situation it it does help. It really does to come in knowing what you know. If you need to prepare for a meeting, do that. If you need an agenda, request that. You know, just come in feeling as prepared as you can and understand that unfortunately these things do happen, but you have resources in your workplace. Yeah. So just a quick going back to you said your coach. Is your organization set up that you are you have a coach assigned to you, or is it just something you've identified that somebody like a mentor or coach? Yeah, no, we don't have that. Okay. <laughs> I I see all of my leaders, all of my you know direct managers as coaches because I learn okay. something from them. I'd love to take what I love from them and leave what maybe I don't. But that that's a coach to me. I have had a coach. She is wonderful and really helped me come into my own and understand that I am super valuable and I know what I'm talking about. And those are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, coach in the more of like a leadership way, because in my mind, it is their job to coach their direct reports into yes. becoming the best version of themselves. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. And yeah, with Boss Track, we're all about leaders as coaches. Like that is the approach that we really advocate for in all of our development opportunities. But what was I going to ask related to that? Uh, <laughs> oh, The one thing I was thinking of is, I think, you know, especially as a newer leader, sometimes you don't know if something is a slight to you because of your gender, because of your age, or not. And I think, you know, one of the, like when you said your coach, so I think it's just so important to listen to your inner heart and know how you feel and what it is making you feel like. And first step consulting with that, your boss or that the leadership person that you trust and look up to and getting their opinion on whether it's just a development opportunity for you, or if it really is something that needs to be addressed and how to address it. I I don't know if you agree with that. A hundred percent. I think I've had several instances where I would step into a one-on-one with either my monthlies with my C-suite person or 
my, um, my direct manager and say, you know, off the record, I just need to like get a read on the situation. And sometimes those do turn into bigger problems. Right. And it, it's, it's important to realize that your feelings are valid regardless of what's actually going on. Right. If somebody's making you feel uncomfortable, you are entitled to feel uncomfortable regardless yes. of their intention or not. So it's, it's important to do that, but I think it's also important to step back when you're speaking to your leader about it and say, if you're comfortable with it, right. If it hasn't elevated to the next level, but yeah. say, how do I deal with this? Right. How do I deal with the person who's like blatantly disrespecting me in my opinion? And how do I adjust that? Cause I mean, like I said, if you're blindsided by it and you don't see it coming, it's really rough to deal with. And so having that mentor, that coach, that leader um, that you're comfortable with kind of guide you through that is super helpful and impactful. Yeah. I so agree with that. Looking to the future, what are the things that you hope change in terms of gender equity and uh, women in the workplace? Yeah, I think obviously I just want everyone to be treated equally, right? To not look at me as a woman and think, oh, she's going to respond emotionally. Like we need to really be careful about how we say this or, you know, just basically be quiet <laughs> or silence me. But I think I would also, and I think what's becoming a topic, I would also like to see more women supporting women like you, right? Like I think we do get so lost sometimes in this like defensive mode of, men need to treat us better, but I think women need to treat women better and help people who have made it to the top, help the people, the newer leaders, the middle management help break the glass ceiling that they have broken and like throw down a rope ladder if you want to get really visual with it. And I think that that's really important. Something that I think we as a group could really work on. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you brought that up. And then my next question was going to be as a new leader coming in, even like a woman coming in as a leader, what, what do you recommend they start doing to promote gender equity themselves? And, and, and I guess you kind of answered that because as they move up, it's their responsibility to look at people on their team and bring them up behind them. Is there anything else that you would recommend for people to think about? Yeah, I'm I'm um lucky enough to work in startups where I can basically do anything. Um so I think in in my culture, you know, I just do it, right? If there's something that seems to be missing, I lead by example, right? I'm in a small enough organization where people can see my direct impact with my team. Um and so leading by example is super important. This can also work in a larger organization because it'll spread, right? It'll grow. Mm -hmm. But like I said, HR, and I, my undergrad is in HR, so I try to use it as much as possible. HR is there for a reason. They're there for your qualms, and they're there for making sure that the culture of the organization is as effective as possible. So if you have a really good idea on how to incorporate you know, the education as a whole on how women are impactful as leaders ask to do a lunch and learn if you're comfortable with that. If you're not, ask to be like on a committee that does a lunch and learn for it or submit the idea. Um, just small, impactful moves like that while also leading by example can really just change the entire outlook of that organization, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, all good ideas. I love those. 
I don't want to get off on the topic of HR because I have some questions I could ask, but I, I know we're limited in time. So I'll just switch and ask, um, what what do you wish you would have known when you started out as a leader? Like, what's the what's the one thing that you would point out? I would say that I wish that I knew my value, honestly. I recognize that when I was 19, I did not know everything despite you know, the teenage cliche of thinking I knew everything, but I knew a lot. I knew how to do my job. I knew how I got there and I knew that I wanted other people to succeed, but I was so busy worrying about like the nitty gritty of like, Oh my God, they're older than me. And you know, they're going to be mad that I'm a supervisor and they're not really held myself back. So I would say my biggest piece of advice is you are your only blocker period, right? Like know that you're worth it. Know that you are valuable, that your voice is correct um, in your certain, you know, mindset and also just be open to learning, right? It's perfectly fine. It's not the best feeling in the world that you are not what you feel the smartest person in the room. You are the smartest person about the subject that you are talking about in the room and people are learning from you and you can also learn from people. Yeah. Perfect advice. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) We talked a little bit about advocacy where, you know, people identify people that work for them and bring them up behind them. But mentorship is critical to really exceeding selling in in your um, career. Is there a mentor that has made an impact in your life when you look back that you can recall? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I, that many minutes ago, I mentioned the um, woman operations who hired Mm me. She, I would say probably took a leap of faith on me because I jumped from like a CX associate who was just really hungry to lead and to learn more about the overall gears of an organization. And she said, okay, I'll do that. Uh, and really threw me in the deep end, but she gave me herself as a life vest, which was mm. just incredibly impactful. I'm still, you know, we haven't worked together in three years, uh, but I talk to her almost every day and we'll talk about anything from her adorable new child um, to what I, what's going on with me at work, right? Like here's a situation, my God, do I wish you were here to kind of help guide me through it, but she still can in, in a really impactful way. And yeah, I'm I'm very lucky to have her in my life. And then the executive coach that I found through a mutual friend was also just an incredible experience in me kind of blabbing about what I do in a way that she found I wasn't giving myself enough credit. And I was like, I don't know, I think I'm giving myself enough credit. And then she wrote this like elevator pitch about myself that just sounded so amazing. And as I was reading, I was like, oh, I I do do that. Like I am an incredible advocate for customers who, you know, seeks to drive revenue still. I look out for both the customer and the, and the brand and just all of these like buzzwords. I was like, oh, that is me. Yeah. They, they're both <laughs> so thankful for them both. Yeah. I think people are so lucky when they have those people, they come across in their career that they can continue to consult with. I love hearing everybody's stories that, that they share about yeah. about the, those people. So it's so special. I'd love to 
kind of move over to uh, kind of non-leadership related topics, if you're okay with that. Yeah. So I'd love to know, do you have a routine, whether it be in the morning, evening, during the day that you follow that really contributes to your well-being? Yes. Um, I'm laughing because I'm pretty sure I'm addicted to it. Uh, (laughs) And that's fine. So my mornings are pretty standard. I wake up, I do my skincare so that I look like this, right? Um, And then I walk my dog and make about 20 cups of coffee and put minimally three beverages on my desk at all times for some reason. Yeah. Um, And then I work. And then at night, I usually wrap up around 4.30 temporarily. And I go to a cycling class that is down the street from my apartment that has, I'm pretty sure, saved my life in not such a dramatic way. I go like five times a week, which is Um, But I went through so much like turbulent changes in the last year. You know, I've experienced loss. I've experienced like an evolution of myself. I changed jobs, which was bonkers. I'd been at my last job for like four years, which is so long for me. And then I just switched. So it was really like a turbulent time in my life, both personally and professionally. And this was like the one consistent thing that I had control over. Plus it was a dark room. All of my instructors are women. Um, and I may or may not have cried in that dark room three times. (laughs) Take so much out on that bike. I think it's so important to have that kind of healthy release and routine, um, to help you through those tough times. Yeah. How did you find that? Did you just go to a class one day and you realized it was the thing for you? Um, Yeah, I did. I kind of made the decision after my mom passed away that I wanted to take better care of myself. So I did, did a little Google. um, And I knew I didn't want to drive far because I live in LA and five miles can take 45 minutes. Yeah. So I found this place, the Instagram looked like very community oriented, which was nice. So I just popped in there. I think they had like a deal going on at the time, which was like $49 for a month of unlimited classes. And I did four uh, because I was new and it was hard and I just fell in love with it. So good old Google, you know? (laughs) Well, I'm sorry about your mom. I know you seem too young for that to happen. And it's something I think about, you know, getting older. That's the one, one thing in life that I just don't know um, that I'm going to be able to handle. (laughs) It's tough. um, But you know, tough things get you through it. You'll, you'll, it's stinky, but part of life. Yeah. So, well, I don't, I didn't mean to take you there, but uh, (laughs) so um, moving on to like more energetic and happy things. um, Is there a song that you go to when you need an energy boost or lift, lift me up and, or confidence boost? Yes. Um, After, no, I'm sorry. Before every interview um, that I've ever had, after this song released, this also feels very cliche. I listen in the shower usually to Formation by Beyonce. Mm-hmm. I mean, she literally says, okay, ladies. Um, and I'm like, okay, great. Got it. You're talking to me. So that's like my motivational song. But I think this is also, I think an unknown fact about me, but people might be catching on. Um, I, especially when I'm in office, I have my headphones on when I like need to focus. And I always tell people that I'm listening to classical music, which is something I picked up from a previous employee who employee, he was a CEO, um, who 
was listening to classical music when he was heads down, but I actually listened to like hardcore metal. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> for some reason, somebody else screaming in my ears helps me focus. It's nice. It's fun. So you'll see me like bopping every once in a while. It's extra ironic because I am classically trained. So I played clarinet and youth orchestras for, for forever um, until I wasn't a youth anymore. So it's funny for me as like an inside joke to myself to be like, yeah, I'm listening to classical music. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> That's so interesting that how do you, so I guess it's different because if you're listening to customers complain and having to deal with customer complaints, and then you're listening to metal music, I'm guessing there's some kind of difference for you. Yeah. There's gotta be some psychological twist to that, right? Um, (laughs) I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty good at getting yelled at because I think that, you know, I always tell my, my team, it's not a personal attack on you. Even when they are personally attacking you, it's, something else has triggered this event and what happened that went wrong that in the service that we provided really elevated that, right? As working in furniture, especially like furniture subscriptions and staging of homes, it's a stressful time to try to sell your multi-million dollar home and or move uh, from apartment to apartment. And so something else has gone wrong. The day is just stressful. We do not handle stress well. And unfortunately you are the person who picked up the phone. So that's that, but I don't know, listening to that music for some reason, my whole life has just amped me up and made me feel like a badass. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's a, well, interesting one. I don't think uh, death metal has come up (laughs) at all, but it's surprising. Nobody has brought up uh, formation by Beyonce either because some some people have turned it around on me and that's, oh, that's my, actually my go-to song for the gym to like hype, hype me up. And when I do bring it up, they're like, they don't know that song. And I'm like, I, th- I think you would know it if you heard it, but, but yeah, so I, I'm happy to hear somebody else <laughs> finally bring that song up. I'm so surprised. Okay. Everyone turn your radios on, go to, or Spotify radios. Oh, that, that's so funny. We, I was in a Pilates class with my uh, husband and, um, <laughs> was uh, this is only funny probably to me and it's like an inside joke but he was like can turn the radio down I'm like radio the Pilates class where did that come from (laughs) my um one of my first memories do I remember it or did my dad just tell me whatever the first movie I saw was Beauty and the Beast when I was a kid and I got scared during the wolf spoiler alert I guess during when the wolves are like attacking Belle and the beast comes in and they're fighting and I turned around and I politely asked my dad to turn the channel get us the channel this is spooky turning radios changing channels it's 2023 (laughs) we don't do that anymore (laughs) oh my gosh um well, it's so one of the things we like to do is really help people do small things to improve the quality of their lives. So we like, I like to ask my guests if there's something you've bought recently, the last one or two years, that's kind of under a hundred dollars. It doesn't have to be that has kind of changed the quality of your life in any way. Yes, I, well, I have a two-parter. So I think just finding a routine that makes you feel good, right? So like I do that spin class that I was talking about, which is a little over a hundred dollars. Um, but I also do things just to take care of myself. So I get my nails done. I dye my hair crazy colors. 
because no one can stop me as an adult. <laughs> so just doing things that make you feel powerful and make you feel like your true authentic self, I think is really important. Um, but my favorite thing was actually free. So well under a hundred dollars. I have a friend named DQ who I used to work with um, at a prior job. And now he's just like off living his best life. He's a very talented artist and he's going to make that work. I'm hundred percent confident. So I commissioned a piece from him, um, which is adorable. And I love it. Um, adorable, very cool. And I love it. But he also gave me uh, a framed kind of calligraphy kind of thing. It's just like unique lettering. And he wrote CXO on it. And that is my ultimate goal, right? Like I, my career goal is that I want to be a CXO and kind of lead the entire organization to be customer obsessed. That's my goal. Yes. Um, so to have someone just like not even prompted, give that to me was so sweet. I have it framed right above my desk and I look at it accidentally and on purpose sometimes. And it's so nice to have like surround yourself with people and friends and family that know what your goals are and also support it. It's just, it was so nice. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And so nice to have friends that think about you in that way. That's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Books or podcasts. Do you have a book or podcast that you've listened to or read recently that you would recommend to the audience? Um, aside from true crime podcasts, got it. Um, no, so that's valid too. <laughs> I mean, if you, <laughs> I'm a big fan of my favorite murder, but it is not a professional growth unless you are a murderer in which <laughs> We should seek help. I have to look at the name of it. It's called The Coaching Habit is one of my favorite books to help me through. If you don't know about it, Amazon, I think it's like 12 bucks. Um, there's like a little workbook in there. It's fantastic. There's also the data collective that I read recently, um, which is also super helpful if you are not a numbers person. It's basically data for dummies, except prettier somehow. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I really like that one too. So th those are my top two uh books, podcasts, I genuinely usually just use as a source for murder. <laughs> I understand within the coaching habit, it goes through a leader, the leader as coach, like we were talking about earlier. Yes, it sure does. So it's really helps you fine tune um, kind of how to coach your team, how to see yourself as a coach and, and what that means to you. Um, and then the data detective really breaks down not only how to like pull data, but also how to analyze it, right? Like, great, I have this sequence of numbers and names. What the heck does that mean? And how do I find the answer that I'm looking for within it? Awesome. Very good. I love hearing about. So the coaching habit I have come across I probably skimmed uh, years ago, but the data, data collective. Yes. Data. Okay. No, data detective. Data detective. Okay. <laughs> That's a new one for me. So I will definitely check that out and add it to our list to uh, make sure people see that. Well, I know our time is closing, is coming to a close here and I'd love, so now you're officially in our audience's hype squad. <laughs> Is there one last piece of advice or inspiration you would leave with the audience before you go? I mean, I, I feel like I've said it about a hundred times, but it's like my biggest piece of advice is just stay true to yourself, know your worth, know your value and reach out to people if you need help. Like it's, that's a strength, not a weakness. 
Yes. Period. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Perfect advice to leave with. Um, So as we kind of wrap up here, can our listeners reach out to you if they have any questions or want to talk and how would they do that if so? I would love that. I would be honored. I would be delighted. Um, I am the easiest person on the face of the earth to get a hold of. I'm super responsive on literally every platform, but I would say the best place to start is LinkedIn. So I don't know if you can like post my LinkedIn somewhere, but that, that is the place I accept almost every friend request unless you're trying to sell me something. And then I think about it, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would, I would be honored and happy to talk to quite literally anyone about quite literally anything. Do you know what your handle is on LinkedIn? Is it Liz Hetler or is it something funky? It should just be Liz Hetler. I was just seeing if I happen to have you up just because if people are listening and they don't uh, get the, uh, or they don't see the notes, the show notes that we have. So Um, you are, oh yeah, there's a bunch of numbers. So Liz had Liz dash Hetler dash eight, nine, three, two, three, seven (laughs) BA. As I said, I I hate feeling like a robot. Thanks. (laughs) I only say that just because sometimes there's more than one and especially if they're not seeing you and they're only listening to you, they don't know who to look for. So it's also in the show notes. Yes. Yes. I feel like I have a unique name, but I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Liz, it was, it was so nice talking with you and I appreciate you giving us your time and uh, was really a great conversation. We covered so much and so much important, so many important topics to new leaders. I really appreciate you coming on. No, thank you. This was great, impactful. Thank you for just doing this in general. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love these <laughs> conversations and I love when they go well, like the the one we just had. So, yeah. so enjoy your day and uh, hope to be in touch soon. You too. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. This is Michelle again. If you enjoyed this conversation, hit subscribe so you don't miss out on our weekly episodes. And if you're really feeling it, please leave a review. We'd love to have your support. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter where we share things we're excited about, things we found funny or inspiring, and must-read leadership videos and articles we came across that week. You can subscribe by going to www.thebosstrack.com forward slash weekly joy. That's www.thebosstrack.com forward slash weekly joy. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.